Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. It is October 23rd, and this is the first time in all of October that I've been on the air, so I'm quite excited. We had, obviously, an incredible Feast of Tabernacles and Last Great Day here in the Philadelphia Church of God at feast sites around the world. My family got to go to Rapid City, South Dakota. We saw Mount Rushmore twice, and truly it is such a majestic sight it's actually worth going to in person. I know people say it all the time about various things, but really in this case it's true that the pictures don't do it justice. Those four presidents representing the founding of America, the preservation, the strengthening of America, the expansion of America up there on that mountain really are worth seeing. Just such a powerful image. And it's a patriotic image, too, that is actually under attack today. Well, at the feast site in South Dakota, we were privileged to hear Pastor General Gerald Flurry give a sermon on the last great day, and he titled it, Set Your Affection on Things Above. And he started out the sermon reading these two verses, which I will read to you as well. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I thought this was just an incredible way to start that message because it does talk about goals. It talks about seeking things or, you know, that could be talking about material things or it could be talking about uh, spiritual things as long as it's through the prism of putting God first. So seeking those things which are above that's specifically talking about our future, a spiritual future, a life that is infinity times better than this physical life. It says where Christ sits on the right hand of God. He's up there right now working on our behalf every single day. He sees every human being on the planet, and he wants to help every one of us too. That's actually his full-time job. That's his profession to assist us in connecting with God the Father. It talks there in verse 2, set your affection on things above. So we're not just seeking goals or rewards that are spiritual, but we're also learning to change the way we think, learning to change our desires 
to match God's desires. And obviously, those desires should be spiritual above all else. We should care more about God, his law, his government, his work, his church, his master plan for mankind. And we should care about those things more than anything else. Anything physical that's going on in our day-to-day lives. Now, doesn't that sound unnatural? Isn't that difficult to do? Isn't this a serious challenge to actually learn to think like God does, to want what God wants, to love what God loves, to have the same goals and priorities that God has? Wouldn't that be nearly impossible? Well, there is a really practical process for fulfilling those verses in our lives. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 2. We can apply these verses. In that sermon on the last great day, Mr. Flurry mentioned the Rapid City motto of do big things. And he said, don't just think big thoughts. Do big things. There's a big difference. So yes, it is one thing to learn to desire what God does and to think like God does and to think big, to think about the future. But it has to translate into action, into doing big things. This was really such a motivating sermon. So much in here that we could study over and over again throughout this upcoming year and probably learn something new from every time. He, he repeated that classic quote from, I believe, the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong, knowledge unapplied is of no value. And he also talked about the example of Ezra and Nehemiah and the Jews as they returned from captivity to rebuild Jerusalem. Ezra actually brought the law of God out in front of all the people. And he taught from that law right next to the Gihon Spring. As Mr. Fleury explained, there is so much symbolism wrapped up in the Gihon Spring. In water in general, really. Water is symbolic of life and the Holy Spirit. So Ezra was speaking to these unconverted Jews. And he was speaking to them right next to this symbolic Gihon Spring. This symbol of the Holy Spirit that the Jews did not have. And then Mr. Flurry said, we may need symbols more than the Jews did. God is doing everything he can to set our affection on things above. He talked about how there's waters in the heavens and there's a spring in Jerusalem. And he also went to Nehemiah 8. This is talking about the Jews desiring to learn from God's law. They wanted to be taught the law. 
finally, after 70 years of captivity, finally, they wanted to return to the law. They wanted to obey God. They knew the alternative was miserable. So they threw themselves into learning God's law. Mr. Flurry also spoke about New Jerusalem, how we need to focus on that. And that really does take effort because New Jerusalem won't be around for another thousand plus years. He talked about Abraham's vision being so strong, he was willing to sacrifice his own son. He understood God's promises. He knew the eternal had chosen Jerusalem. And we did hear a whole lot about that at the feast, at least at the Rapid City, South Dakota site, about seeing beyond the present day, being happy about rewards that we won't receive until the very distant future. It's not about instant gratification necessarily when we are following God. There are times, of course, there's plenty of times where we receive instant gratification God's way when following him. But other times God is going to help us develop some patience before he gives us what we want. Mr. Flory said, God loves us and tries to give us hope in every way possible. He is the power that can help us set our affection on things above. That's what he wants us to do, and he will help us accomplish that goal. So I was thinking about how I could apply that sermon. That sermon was was very, very high on motivational content. And then it's just a matter of, in my individual life, how can I put that into practice. Now, thankfully, God's church has all kinds of materials that will get practical and show us exactly how we can set our affection on things above. Probably a lot of you have viewed this video on the Philadelphia Church of God YouTube channel. It's titled, How to Organize Your Life God's Way. And in this video, Trumpet Hour radio host and Philadelphia Trumpet managing editor Joel Hilliker covered a lot of this July 26, 2012 Pastor General's report. So Mr. Flurry writing. And Mr. Flurry in that PGR was also quoting from a Worldwide Church of God leadership series. So there's a few sources here. Uh, that were being covered in this lecture from Mr. Hilliker. And Mr. Hilliker started out by talking about how it is so important that we learn how to stay close to God in spite of the world. Satan is the greatest time waster ever. And he has designed this entire world around us to waste away our lives. He's determined to weaken you from within. 
And that's why there's so many appealing diversions all around us. All of them calculated specifically and spiritually to waste our time. Satan is specific in his warfare against us. He does employ devastating tactics to rob us of all of our time. And it is quite the paradox, as Mr. Hilliker pointed out, that during this time where God's work is more powerful than it has ever been, it is more capable of reaching more people than ever in the 2,000-year history of the church, and yet at the same time that this work has so much power, the world is more distracted than ever before, too. It is hard to break through to people at this time. Mr. Flurry, in that PGR, which is, by the way, directed specifically at PCG ministers, but of course, really, if it applies to the ministry, it has to apply to the rest of us, too. But he wrote about how so many people now are busy with trivial things until late at night. You see, people are robbed of sleep. They're walking around like zombies the next day, exhausted because the average person sleeps about two hours less than he needs. But it's not even a matter of being busy with important pursuits it's not a matter of working out a family emergency or completing an urgent project at work that's robbing us of so much sleep so much of the time it's just because this world is meant to keep us awake late at night that's when all the sporting events happen that's when people are all off work and want to go out and spend time together, which is a great thing. But obviously, it can get pretty exhausting doing that so regularly and so late at night. And it's not good for health, and more importantly than that, it's not good for spiritual health. If we're up late, it's hard to wake up early, and then it's hard to put God first in the morning. But... Mr. Hilliker talked about this rampant sleep deprivation. This is all a part of Satan's strategy to rob us of our time, to get us focused on the things beneath. Not the things above, the things beneath. The things below. The things in the world around us instead of the things above. The more important spiritual things. But did you realize that the only thing you will take past this physical life is your character? None of these physical things, none of the wealth we accumulate, none of our little hobbies are going to stick with us past this life, past death and into the resurrection, only character will last. 
And as Mr. Armstrong has said so many times, as Mr. Flurry has also reinforced, that's why it's far more important than anything else for us to focus on our relationship with God. Now, here is a quote that I found quite corrective from that PGR. Uh, it's, it's, again, from July 26, 2012, Mr. Flurry writing, Some brethren still desire to be as much like the world as possible without actually being a part of it. But they are kidding themselves in an attempt to be balanced. Many spend hours watching TV going or excuse me going to movies shopping playing cards and games having a beer socializing shooting the breeze and just staying up late their standard for balance is the world's not god's and great amounts of time and money are wasted each week on such pursuits for no lasting purpose now, I like to go out as much as anyone and enjoy some of those things. But that's certainly the challenge. If it is not building our character, if it's not somehow contributing to building character, then it just ends up being a waste of time. Now, every one of those things that Mr. Flurry listed there can be good but certainly in moderation. And that's where it really, it really is important to examine ourselves. In this lecture, Mr. Hilliker talking, talked about keeping our lives simple. Talked about this story of David versus Goliath and how at this time King Saul was trying to actually Stop David from defeating Goliath. Saul was being used as an enemy of David. So Saul actually gave David all of this cumbersome armor, armor that would weigh him down, slow him down, diminish his effectiveness in battle against this giant. And so David actually just got rid of all of that armor, selected two stones and a slingshot, and took care of business that way. He got rid of all the clutter, everything that would slow him down and hold him back. And look at the result. One stone right between Goliath's eyes, knocking him dead. He got the job done with minimal clutter. And that's what Mr. Flurry said. We must unclutter our lives. And Mr. Hilliker made a great point about thinking about the things that we consistently struggle to complete from our to-do list, from our daily schedules, from our priorities, things that we're not getting done, and then we can think about the things that we're doing instead. What are the things that just tend to creep in every single day and eat up minutes here and there to the point of taking up hours each day? That is really something to look at that, that can be shocking sometimes. I've heard before uh, from, from another minister or two about 
maybe the wisdom of trying a minutes log from time to time. Maybe not doing it every single day, but just as you go throughout the day, if you have a piece of paper with you, you could just write down, okay, I spent this many minutes in prayer. Okay, I just spent that many minutes getting ready for work. This many minutes with my family. This many minutes watching YouTube or whatever it might be. And then at the end of the day, you can add it all up. And this could be a good exercise to do for maybe a week or so, just to get an idea of where the time all goes. And I've done this before several times, especially when I thought I was really losing a lot of productivity. And wouldn't you know, many hours, every single week, every single time I've tried this, we're going toward the things below, not the things above. My time was being stolen from me. And I had to go and take that time back the next week. Remember, Satan is scientific about this. He's specific. He's relentless. And he wants to do anything he can to keep us from setting our affection on things above. You see, the way our affection is measured is generally by how we spend our time. The thoughts matter. Yes, but doing big things is much more important. That's how we really know if we are putting this goal into action. Here's a really beautiful scripture about God's chosen people, just the way that God describes them. And I always think this is, a, a touching description. First Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you ever think of yourself that way? As maybe a peculiar person, a royal priest, part of a chosen generation, whether you are in the Philadelphia Church of God now or not, the fact that you're, you're listening to this, the fact that you are in contact with God's work in some way is good news for you. But this word here, peculiar, Maybe that's the one that stands out from that verse to you because all these other descriptions are, are certainly a good thing, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But what's it talking about with that word peculiar? It's really talking about like a purchased possession or obtaining or saving. So God is actually acquiring us and saving us. He bought us for a price. And obviously there's a different connotation to the word peculiar today. It doesn't just mean that you are special to God. Today, the word peculiar means that you are strange. But you know what? That also applies. When we follow God, we can be thought of as peculiar. And here is 
an excellent quote from that WCG leadership series. Today, you are thought of as peculiar if you, one, go to bed early, two, get up early, three, avoid late night activities and entertainment, four, emphasize family type get togethers and activities, five, put prayer and Bible study before all else. Mr. Hilliker called bedtime, having a consistent, relatively early bedtime, almost point number one of having godly character. That is incredible. If you think about all the different things involved with having godly character, would you actually list bedtime as possibly number one? But think about all the other things that your bedtime affects. Going to bed at a decent time allows you to wake up early, allows you those pretty much completely silent early morning hours for connecting with God. Going to bed at a decent time also cuts off a whole lot of unnecessary extra worldly entertainment i've been watching some of the world series this week the the final baseball series of the season and i watch the first four innings and then i go to bed around nine and you know what it's not that hard to zip through the highlights of the rest of the game or even the whole rest of the game in between pitches the very next day so you see i still enjoy baseball, maybe even put that on mute so I can talk with my wife with the game in the background just for a little bit of time in the evening. And then even during this most important baseball series of the year, I just turn it off and go to bed. And you know, I didn't miss any of it. It wasn't a big deal. It's not that important. I still got to watch a little bit. But that bedtime cut me off from wasting a couple more hours just watching baseball, which is really not one of the priorities in life. You see, this can be practical, this pursuit of setting our affection on things above, organizing our lives God's way. So I'd really encourage you to find this link. I'll put it, uh, I'll attach this link to this show once it becomes a podcast as well how to organize your life God's way. This really will change your life for the better. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.